What's up you guys, Sideline Statsman here, and welcome to today's episode of the Pigskin Pulpit. This is going to be the last part of our Draft Week special brought to you by yours truly, the Sideline Statsman. As you all know, last night, the first round of the mock draft happened, and that's the only way I can put it. I'm still processing some of the moves, some of the selections. I mean, the proper word to explain how I'm feeling about it is flabbergasted. I've never seen a draft like that before. A lot of trades, I think they did a great job applying it with the stay-at-home method. But there were a few trades late in the draft, in the first round. And some of them made sense, some of them didn't. And I think we have to go over them for sure. But there were some picks that turned heads and really surprised me. Because you don't really expect teams to go a certain route or you know what position they're going to take, but not the exact player that they have their eyes on. So today I'm going to tell you what the best pick was, the worst pick was, the best trade and the worst trade, who was the no-brainer pick, and who was the, where was the turning point in the draft. Before we get into all, the, all that and going absolutely nuts on everything that happened in the first round. Let's start with a couple notes for those who watch the draft so I can explain some of the things that happened and why they happened. So without further ado, let's get it started. Let's start off right now with Green Bay. We all know that last night Green Bay made a trade to move up in the draft and they took a quarterback in Jordan Love from Utah State. It surprised everybody. People have already grading them, giving them D's and F's on the trade because they think it made no sense to come up and get the quarterback when they already had Aaron Rodgers. I completely disagree, but I'm going to explain, first of all, why they did it. Green Bay did want love. They really did. They wanted to get him in the second round, but they didn't believe it was going to fall to them. We They were strong on the idea that the Colts were going to take him before they could ever touch him and get a chance to draft him. So as a result, Green Bay decided to pull the trigger on a trade in order to get Jordan Love, which was risky, but they pulled off the trade. Green Bay got the quarterback, and it's very similar to the situation with Brett Favre when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. I get that. I just think you have more to work with and develop with Jordan Love than you did with Aaron Rodgers. That's the difference. The good news is, at least he gets to sit behind one of the one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I'm saying one of, I'm not saying he is the greatest. He's one of the greatest of all time. Now, I think this could work out well for Green Bay if they do it right, and Aaron is willing to mentor him. But otherwise, if he's not, this is a horrible trade. It all comes down to how this is going to turn out for his career. Another thing I do want to note here... There were several teams last night who had players fall that were not mocked to them. So in their mock drafts, they thought these players were going to go earlier and that they wouldn't have a shot. Some of the teams like Dallas, Arizona, Cleveland, and Minnesota, all of them didn't believe the players they were going to get were going to fall to them. So in this case, Dallas, they got CeeDee Lamb at pick 17. 
because nobody could believe that CeeDee Lamb fell that far. Even I'm shocked. I thought the Raiders were going to take CeeDee Lamb because of all the interest they had in getting speed and reliability. Instead, Lamb ends up going to the Cowboys, slipping past everybody. I'm still, I'm still trying to process that. For Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, getting him in the early 20s, that was a shocker to a lot of people because Justin Jefferson was mocked to go to the Eagles, and he actually slipped past the Eagles because they wanted Jalen Rieger from TCU. Great pick by the Eagles, by the way. Just thought that Justin Jefferson was going to be more of the fit and a better pick for them. But Jalen Rieger is still solid. His speed kills. Route running definitely needs improvement, a lot like Henry Ruggs. Uh, Cleveland. They got Jedrick Wills, and nobody believed Jedrick Wills was going to fall in their lap at 10. But again, the Giants choosing Andrew Thomas at 4 really spoke words for what the Giants are trying to do. Thomas had the best tape of all the offensive tackles. He's not the strongest of all of them. He's not the fastest of all of them. But on tape, he looks like he's the most reliable and does the job right. So, of course, it makes sense the Giants are going to go with him at 4. But then after that, you see the tackle start slipping down the board. Nobody's taking them after Thomas. Then Cleveland gets their shot, and they're like, oh my god, we could take Wills. So they took Wills. And then after that, the Jets followed suit by taking Mekhi Becton. And then Worfs ends up falling to Tampa Bay, where they take him with the 13th pick, which they got in a trade with the 49ers. I like it. I think the fact that Cleveland was able to pull that off is insane. And then for Arizona's case, we were I was pretty convinced that Isaiah Simmons was going to the Giants. I thought if there's anybody I want on that team that can play every position you need where you need serious help, it would be with Isaiah Simmons and on the Giants. But instead, the Giants said the protecting Daniel Jones and opening gaps for Saquon Barkley are more important, which I agree with. So I like that move, but as a result, the people who really needed linebackers weren't there anymore. So he started slipping past them. So he slips past Miami, he gets past the Chargers, now he's falling into Arizona's lap. So of course it makes sense, hey, let's add some help on defense. They take Simmons, boom, just like that, you just completely improved your defense by a lot. Adding that one player changed their team and their dynamic. It's great. I think it was a good move by the Cardinals to get him in a steal. Now, another thing I do want to say. Las Vegas did end up taking a wide receiver and a cornerback, but none of us really believed that it was the people they were going to choose. No one thought it was... It wasn't likely that people were going to think that Raiders were taking Henry Ruggs. I was convinced it was CeeDee Lamb. Some people were saying Jerry Judy, which I believed... And it didn't happen. It ended up being Ruggs. Ruggs was a surprise pick. And then for corner later on, I'm saying Christian Fulton. I'm saying maybe they're going to go safety with Grant Delpit at that point. Or maybe Xavier McKinney from Alabama. Instead, the Raiders say, I'm going to take a risk and go with Damon Arnett. Arnett's a definitely a risky pick. The kid's great, don't get me wrong. But to land Arnett, it's just, with all the other corners on the board, I didn't think Arnett was going to be the second guy to come off the board because the first was Henderson, and then Arnett came after him. I'm, I am couldn't believe that. I 
I thought Fulton should have been higher on that list. He could have been picked ahead of him for sure. That that surprised me. And same goes for Jeff Gladney. I think the two of them could have been above Damon Arnett. And maybe even, I don't know how to say his name. I'm going to try my best. Noah Igbinahin. Like, I feel like that's big too. The fact that they skipped over those guys just says words for what Mayock is trying to do. I would trust him. If I'm a Raiders fan, I'm trusting what Mayock's trying to do. It's all about Gruden fitting the pieces, though. So it comes down to what Gruden can do with that. Next, I think another thing we have to note is that Denver actually stopped trade talks at one point because they were set in stone on the fact that they were going to go for Jerry Judy. So they would not trade that pick thinking that Jerry Judy would fall for them, and they got lucky. Judy ended up falling to them, and they drafted him as soon as they could. So I think that was a great move by the Broncos. Now, in terms of Dallas in their situation with Lamb, I do want to say that they did debate taking Keita Von Chason from LSU, the edge edge defender, which I think would have been a great pick, but with risks. So I think it was smarter to take Lamb in this situation, and that's exactly what they did. They took the best talent on the board. That would be Lamb. And they let Chason fall, which I'm okay with. As for the final big note here, Atlanta did want C.J. Henderson. We all know C.J. Henderson fell, and I'm going to be honest with you, Atlanta wanted Henderson but didn't do it. The reason why Atlanta didn't do it with Henderson, while Miami and the Chargers didn't move because they wanted their quarterbacks. They wanted Tua, they wanted Justin Herbert. It was set in stone that those two were not going to move. So Miami and L.A. were not options. The next option after that would be Carolina. Carolina, same division. Because they're in the same division, of course Carolina is not going to make a trade with Atlanta. It's unlikely. They were set on getting Derek Brown, and they got Derek Brown. And then from there, Arizona's your final hope. And as you all know, they were not going to move because Simmons fell to them. He was right in their lot. So they pulled the trigger on Isaiah Simmons and said sorry. And then, all as you guys know, after... The Cardinals, it's the Jaguars' pick. And the Jaguars are the ones who ended up choosing Henderson. Unless Atlanta made them an offer they couldn't refuse, which involved players, I don't think that Atlanta would be getting that pick. So they had kind of had their hands tied. No other team was willing to give up their picks. For good reason, too. Those are all the notes that I have, basically, on the entire draft itself and the little things. So now let's start diving into the best and the worsts of the draft. So let's start off with the no-brainer pick. Who was the guy that was the no-brainer selection throughout it all? Didn't matter what mock draft it was, everybody agreed this guy was going here. It was a no-brainer. I'm going to say that guy was Joe Burrow. You could have said Joe Burrow, you could have said Chase Young. But I didn't hear a single person debate on having Joe Burrow go number one since the Super Bowl. Since two months ago, I have not heard anybody dispute the idea that Joe Burrow will be going number one. And I think it was smart to say that. Joe Burrow is coming into a team now. It's a dead giveaway. The Bengals needed a fresh start compared to Dalton. Dalton had been there for a while, but he could never get anything done in the playoffs, even if he got him there. And then from there, after losing Marvin Lewis and getting a new coach, Dalton couldn't fit in the system even though he actually had some pretty decent stats when he started the season. The problem here with the Bengals is 
I'm not a big fan of the pick, but it's also because I'm not a big Burrow believer. I think Joe Burrow is more in that situation of avoiding the idea of becoming the next Tony Romo. Because there's different comparisons that are coming out about him. It started out with Tony Romo, then it got to Jared Goff, then it got to Tom Brady. But I couldn't really pinpoint where this kid's development is and where his peak ceiling could be. I think Burrow has some above-average talent in every single aspect of his game. I don't think there's a single quality that's elite about him, besides his poise. The kid's got some incredible ways to handle pressure in the pocket, and that makes him a lot different from other quarterbacks because a lot of the other quarterbacks I've seen this draft really don't thrive under pressure, except for Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. That's the only quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, though, I think not only having above-average talent in each aspect of his game puts him on there with Tony Romo, except Romo's decision-making was worse. And because he's going to the Bengals, they, he has to pray that they can build a team properly around him. I don't know if they'll do that. It's way too soon. But this was a no-brainer pick. It was time to move on and change scenery from Andy Dalton and move on to something else. And I think going with Joe Burrow was smart for them, for the culture in Cincinnati. For his outlook in his career, I just, I don't know. It's too early. It's blurry to me. You can say all these things about a prospect, but you don't know how it's going to turn out. And I think this prospect and this pick may have been one of the most overhyped of this draft so far. And we're going to have to see what that looks in the next couple of years. As for the pick that to find the turning point, I would say it's around the 13th or 14th pick. And by that, I mean the trade. Last night, after the 12th pick was submitted and given by the Las Vegas Raiders, the San Francisco 49ers traded the 13th pick to the Buccaneers. The reason why? The Colts were trying to get back in the draft, I've heard. And I've heard other teams were talking to the 49ers to get their pick. And the Niners were going to pull the trigger on it. Whoever gave them the best offer, they were going to give them the pick. That's what I was hearing. And so Tampa, in order to avoid that, used the John Lynch connection, since he's their general manager over at San Francisco, and pulled some strings and actually got the trade to happen. For that trade, the 49ers ended up getting the 14th pick, so they just swapped positions. And they got the 117th from the Bucks, which is a fourth-round pick. In addition, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to get the 13th pick, so they got to move up one spot to take Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle, and they got the 245th, which is the seventh-round pick. For the Bucks, I think getting Tristan Wirfs was a steal, and only in 2% of models, you know how they do AI models and all that for everything, in the AI models for the draft, there's only 2% chance that the Buccaneers would end up getting Tristan Wirfs. And it ended up happening. So they actually got lucky and took Tristan Wirfs. As for the 49ers, they took the replacement to DeForest Buckner in Javin Kinlaw from South Carolina. I really like that pick. A lot of fans don't. But I liked it because I think getting someone like Javin Kinlaw on your team 
is important. Because you need somebody to set the tone in the spot that you traded away to get that pick. So they simply traded DeForest Buckner to get an extra pick in the draft, which they would spend on another defensive tackle to replace him. And I think that's actually pretty good. It's As long as everything goes well with Kinlaw in the future and he can stay healthy, everything's going to be fine. He's a good player and he's worth the investment from the 49ers. As for the trade in general, those two picks changed everything. Because people were convinced the Niners were going with the wide receiver at number 13, now 14. And this proved that that wasn't the case. They might have been taking Jerry Judy with that pick, and they didn't. They ended up going with the defensive tackle. That decision changed everything going from there because now shocking picks are coming in. Broncos take Jerry Judy from Alabama, the wide receiver. Then after that, the Falcons are on the clock. They take the corner from Clemson, A.J. Terrell. That one was definitely one of the bigger surprises because there are so many corners available at that point, and they took A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell. And then after that, it's just impressive from there. After the Falcons taking Terrell, the Cowboys got C.D. Lamb, who fell right in their hands. They took him. And then right after, the Raiders take another corner and go with Damon Arnett, who's a projected second-round corner. And following that, the Eagles have to come up. And the Eagles go with Jalen Rieger, wide receiver from TCU. Keep in mind, that was only a few picks after the Raiders picked the cornerback Arnett. So from there, there were more surprising picks that built up and came out of nowhere. We really didn't pick any edge rushers in the first round. We didn't. I want you to think about that a second. Chase Young and Kalevon Chason are pretty much the only two edge rushers who came off the board in the first round. That is it. Yet our gross models didn't come off the board. Zach Bond didn't come off the board. A lot of edge rushers did not come off the board who were projected to go in the first round. Another one, AJ Epineza, didn't even come off in the first round. That's surprising. It changed everything, that trade. It now made it so more surprising picks were going to happen. But now let's flip the switch now and head over to the best trade and the worst trade. The best trade I saw in this draft, hands down, the San Francisco-Tampa Bay trade. Both teams got what they wanted out of it. It's a win-win for both sides. Even though people will say the Bucks shouldn't have done the trade, I do want to say, again, I will restate this. They got the guy that they needed with Tristan Wirfs before any other team could pull off the trade with the Niners. And having the benefit of John Lynch being a former player of the Buccaneers helped a lot. So they got the advantage and were able to make a deal happen. I know they lost a fourth-round pick, but would you rather have kept that fourth-round pick and lost Tristan Wirfs to another team that was in front of you? Then the Bucks would have no choice but to trade their pick because there would be nobody on the board for them to take that they need to help keep Brady protected. So that works out. And then the Niners get what they need to replace Buckner. It's a win-win deal. And from there, the two other picks that they picked, I don't think they're major deal breakers. I think it's actually some pretty good picks. And Bucks are going to benefit from this, and the Niners benefit from this. So it's a win-win. The worst trade, mind you, that's going to be Green Bay and Miami. 
In order for Green Bay to pick Love, they had to trade with Miami to get the 26th pick. And let me tell you, that pick gave Miami, like, they got the chance to trade back to the 31st pick. And then from there, they got the 136th, which is a fourth-round pick as well. They got those two picks to go with this. Just for the Packers to go up one spot. I mean, not one spot. Just for the Packers to go up a few spots. Up to 26. So that way they can take Jordan Love. Quarterback from Utah State. I will say this again. Don't get me wrong. I like the kid. You could have waited till the quarterback fell in your hands. You didn't have to waste a pick for it. You did not. It was not worth it. It was not worth giving the Dolphins the 30th pick in the draft, four picks back from where they were originally, and in order to do that, give them your fourth round pick, and you get nothing but that pick. It made no sense to me. And they definitely could have waited. I understand the idea that trade offers are flying in probably to the teams in front of them, but that I don't think that warrants the idea that the Packers should move up and take the quarterback. The Colts weren't going to trade up. They, we know this. The Colts weren't going to trade up to do it. So what's the point of trading up? Because nobody else is going to want Jordan Love. They're going to wait for him to fall to them in the second round. Instead, they traded up and took the risk and took Jordan Love. I don't get it. I get that you need a backup, but I still don't think that was a smart move or wise on the part of the Green Bay Packers. So I think the Packers definitely lost that one. But I will say, the favorite pick and the worst pick do not involve Jordan Love, but do involve the Miami Dolphins. So let's look at them. My favorite pick that was made last night, easily, I have to say Miami taking Tua at 5. And it's weird that I'm saying this because I know Fans will dispute this. They'll say, oh, the Redskins getting Chase Young was great. I think Tua ending up with Miami was probably the best pick made in this draft because Miami basically said, we're in a win-now mode. We want to win. We want to keep winning for a long time. They did not want to make the mistake they made the first time with Drew Brees all those years ago. I'm telling you, this is because Tua has the talent available to make anything happen. He is a playmaker. That's what makes him great. He's got elite talents in different categories of his game. He's above average in the rest. The only thing he might have as a red flag is just his hip injury, which makes him just a little tight down low, but I guarantee you, they'll be more fluid by the time training camp starts. I don't have any concerns about Tua's health at all. In my opinion, I'm pretty confident in the fact that he can turn around the Miami Dolphins organization. My only hope is that they do justice is that they do justice on Tua Tagovailoa. If they can do justice on Tua Tagovailoa, it's going to be great. I'll be really happy about it because Miami deserves it. The fans deserve it. It's been a long time coming. They haven't had a strong quarterback in a long time. I know you guys will argue Tannehill Dolphins fans, but trust me, he wasn't as strong as Marino was. And the only other quarterback I remember having a decent time over there was Chad Henney and Chad Pennington. And then there is Ryan Tannehill. So those three are like the last ones. But from there, it hasn't been 
easy for them at all. Jay Cutler, let's forget about him. Brock Osweiler, let's forget about him. Fitzpatrick, don't forget about him. He didn't do terrible. Rosen did terrible. But that's the best pick for the Dolphins there, and I'm very happy with it. As for the worst pick, it's definitely not Jordan Love. I'm sorry, guys. I know I'm very. Uh, you heard me go off on recently or just before, but I'm telling you, I don't think Love is the worst pick. I think the worst pick out there, shockingly, is the Jaguars taking Kalevon Chason at number 20. And the reason why I'm saying that is because Chason may be an aggressive pass rusher for sure. I'll give you that. He's very good at that. And he's just explosive all around as a linebacker and playing the edge position. But it's also important to note that the numbers at LSU that he put up just don't match up with what we saw on the tape. The tape shows him being incredibly explosive and doing everything you want in an edge player, but the numbers don't reflect it. So maybe there's something up with it where he's not getting the performance out of it, he's not getting the results, which means his game will have to be modified. If that's the case, I would have not I would not have taken Chase on at 20. I would have let him drop a little more. And I think the Jaguars made a mistake there taking that pick if that's the case. And the biggest part about it is that in or, because of that little downturn in, in results, he's going to have to take a big leap it, when he makes a transition into the pros. Because now, we have to watch Chason go in and reorganize his game so he can actually get the results he's looking for and that the Jaguars are looking for. I don't know if it could happen. And that's a big risk for them. If he can't do that, it's a wasted pick in the first round. We need to pray, at least the Jaguars fans do, they have to pray that Chason can find a way to fix his game so they can get the results they need and get the pressure they need off this off the edge. It's important. So as of right now, that's the worst pick because it's just so many questions because of inconsistencies out of results. Not performance, but results. Thank you guys for tuning in to this last episode of our Draft Week special. Everything will be going back to normal starting Tuesday. It will be posting every Tuesday and Friday once again. I can't tell you what the next show is going to be, but for now, this has been the Pigskin Pulpit. I'm your host, the Sideline Statsman. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at TStatsman and on Instagram at the new handle T underscore Statsman. We'll have a new episode up on Tuesday, hopefully different from football. But until then, we'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody.